0: Hey, this is Varun Shur.
1: Hey, this is Arvind Parthiban. Welcome to SaaS Boomi BTS.
0: Where we take you behind the scenes and share incredible marketing stories from Indian SaaS startups.
1: The failures, the successes, the disasters.
0: Hear from the real heroes who are putting India on the global SaaS map. Let's tune in.
1: Welcome to behind-the-scenes... Oh, you know what, Torun? I don't like the name. Really? Like, why? Like, I have to say, behind-the-scenes, SaaS movie, podcast, and there's too many like, like It's not easy to say.
0: Do you have an alternate name in mind?
1: What do you want? We're going to talk about marketing. And <laughs> how about art of marketing?
0: I like art of marketing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, let, let me try... Telling that, welcome to Art of Marketing, SaaS Pumi Podcast. That sounds much easier.
0: Right? It sounds great. It sounds great. Hey, that's folks, going. welcome. Welcome back. Uh, so we have a few surprises for you. Arvin's going to take you through them. Arvind, what are the surprises for our audience? Uh,
1: the biggest surprises, uh, how about uh, without a guest?
0: Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun.
1: I think it's good to also sometimes pick each other's brain and uh, yeah. want to talk something. Uh, keep it uh, conversational and candid. So, uh, some changes to the format, some changes to the podcast series. It's about learning more from each other's experience and bringing experts and go deeper. I know we started this podcast with uh, a lot of guests, similar stories, and we want to uh, try a few uh, models and whichever is helping the community, uh, that's what we want to go for. So, yeah, uh, the the folks, questions. this is
0: this is an experiment. We feel that there were some limitations on the previous format. So if we, uh, like we couldn't pick a specific topic and go deep on that. Uh, So we'll still keep the old format. We'll still have guests over, uh, but we thought it'll be interesting to kind of like go deep on some specific topics uh, as part of these episodes and share our experience, our learnings, maybe dissect uh, a few of the examples out there and get a dialogue going. So this is gonna be very candid. You'll see me and Arvind talking a lot, uh, but I hope this will be interesting as well, right, Arvind?
1: Absolutely, can't wait for it.
0: <laughs> so, what topic do you have in mind, Arvind?
1: You know, I was actually um, thinking of writing a blog yesterday, and uh, uh, literally, I wanted to pick the phone and call you and ask some uh, feedback uh, on one topic, and uh, can't wait to actually use the same conversation in this podcast. So, I'll tell you what's happening in my industry. So. For folks who don't know uh, what I do, uh, I run a, a company called SuperOps, which is in the MSP space. MSP is the managed service provider, so we sell product for the IT technicians. We call them MSPCR. So what happens? So just
0: the- to just to interject, so IT technicians over here, like these are these folks help small businesses, right? So who can't afford like an IT person of their own? So these folks help small businesses out there, exactly. right?
1: Exactly. Instead of you having your own sysadmin teams, you outsource it and they become managed service providers. So all sizes, not just small, like small to medium to big. Yeah. Big industry. Yeah. So big, very big industry. So uh, what happened is, uh, I've been seeing a pattern in the industry right now is uh, every competitor uh, increased their pricing. So I don't know if it's because of the US inflation and like uh, some announced there were some backlashes in the community. Uh, Some silently increased the price. Uh, so I went to one of the competitor called Ninja one to, uh, figure out what happened like, because we got some calls from our customers, uh, saying that hey, Ninja One raised their price and you must be hearing a lot from the customers and they'll be looking to move. So I was curious and I tried to go and find out is there is an article about it or is that price increased. So they have basically took out the pricing, uh, uh option and it's like contact sales. So we don't know if they've really done it. So I was just curious like is it a good practice to do that way or what should i react like uh, the pricing change is a very sensitive subject with customers so so what are your thoughts topic.
0: Erwin? what are your thoughts see I like, think, what do you think
1: uh, what i'm seeing is i think the inflation is the reason why u.s uh, companies are slowly raising the cost and this is a very mission critical product and a very sticky product and they are basically uh, Making the marketing cost, the spend cost, and putting it on the customer. So uh, I don't think it's a right idea. Uh, even if you do it, you need to do it in such a way that we tell the customers way ahead, grandfather them, tell them the reason why you are uh, increasing the pricing, so that they don't leave you. Then, like you just change the price and put it on them, forces on them. They they feel uh, they feel kind of uh, like I don't know. I don't want to use the word cheated, but it should not be surprise. It should not surprise them. Is
0: what my thought process is. I, 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 you know, differ. So I used to run a company in a customer service space. My competition was Freshdesk sendisk and then Intercom. So the pricing on this space was fairly stagnant, uh, till Intercom came in and those folks ran experiments on pricing like crazy. And it made me realize, and by the way, we, we had also done a few transitions on our pricing, but we had done the mistake and I'll call it a mistake Arvind. Uh, We've done the mistake of grandfathering our customers. And I'm not in favor of grandfathering as much as you might feel, you know, folks uh, feel cheated. I I feel there are only like four levers to a business. Uh, So you can either get more customers. That's one lever. You can sell them more units of your same product. Uh, You can sell them multiple products. That's your third lever. Or you can charge them more per unit of product. And I think pricing has been the most underappreciated lever on growth. And what I've seen is that uh, it's not inflation, actually, I think the reason is macro. And I invest in US public SaaS stocks. Uh, And I think, uh, and what I've seen is at least the public companies are all raising prices because the macro has dented sales. And this is one lever that you know that you can exercise to raise prices. So I think it's less inflation, more macro, more of growth lever because uh, new sales have dropped. Uh, so this is one way to guarantee and tide over this financial year. And I think it's a great lever. Uh, like why why are you against grandfathering? Why do you feel people feel cheated?
1: See, I, see the, the community, basically, the kind of customers we have, I think it's basically boils down to the persona. So these are uh, small businesses, business owners, and this is a, bread and butter kind of a product it's a very very mission critical and uh, and they are break fixers like they pay month on month and that uh, that increase in the price if it is very small that's okay if it is uh, higher they should be given a heads up and give they should be given some time or be, uh, at least for me we are at an early stage these are customers who are trusted and uh, are uh, in the journey with us so I want to give them that uh, option of, hey, you help me early, and I want you to, want to grandfather you uh, for a while. So that that's the thought process from my end.
0: Nailed it, Arvind. I, I'll tell you, I, you know, the problem is not uh, like not grandfathering. That's not the issue. The issue is communication. From what I've seen, Netflix does it really well. So you get like a quarter worth of heads up. That, hey, we are increasing the prices. This is going to be a new price uh, going forward. It's very clearly communicated with like three months of heads up. The worst thing you can do, and a lot of folks do this, is raise prices silently. So it's a surprise when the credit card gets charged uh, to uh, run experiments or, uh, you know, raise prices with run uh, experiments on the pricing. Uh, itself. So a lot of folks see different prices when they land on the pricing page. So that's another thing. So you might see uh, if you're in a, a certain, it works on territorial basis, but not uh, on any segmentation. So if you give different pricing to someone in India, that works. So territorial discounts work, but if you're running experiments across segments, for example, and people accidentally see that they feel cheated. I think personally, the communi- problem is communication or lack of it or the way it's done versus grandfathering companies that have communicated really well. I rarely see people objecting to price increases, which is why I, I feel, yeah. Which is why I feel grandfathering is a mistake. We feel good when doing it on the business side of things. Uh, And I've grandfathered like at least three or four pricing changes. And there's also this fear of pushback that the customers will come back with. But I think that fear is unfounded as long as you have the communication, right? You're giving them a heads up and uh, you kind of like factor in that, yes, there will be a certain loud segment of customers which will come over, but they don't make up the entire population. Most of the folks usually have price increases in the budget from my experience. Is that like the case in MSP? I don't know, but at least in the customer service space, I saw that there was Budgetary allocation for price increases at least every three years.
1: No, say I. I the, the way I would do it is I'll definitely grandfather for, for the remaining months he has left in the contract. But next year they have to pay the actual yes. price. Uh, that kind of kind of helps them give them time. And we need to also make sure that we give them extra to renew next year, right? So so that's some, that's some kind of new feature so that they don't leave us. So that would be yeah. my strategy. Right?
0: Yeah. So who does pricing? really well according to you like who do you look up to in terms of excellent pricing uh
1: see i i would first want to uh divide the pricing conversation into uh smb and enterprise right because see the enterprise pricing thought process is completely different and smb open i, I would say say if it's on the website it's open transparent pricing that's a different ball game versus uh, sales driven consultative selling uh, where a lot of uh Add-on cost is involved. That's a different kind of ball game. So these two uh, have different strategies, in my personal opinion. But
0: who, who uh, for those two categories, who does pricing really well? Who's your pricing idol? I'm really curious.
1: I would say uh, Intercom. Is Same. One. Same. Uh, second, uh, uh, it's a it's also an art of positioning. The pricing is not about what you're offering and what uh, how I want to charge for my product. It's to clearly position yourself so that that audience have no other choice but buy you. I'll say HubSpot, uh, CRM. They nail their pricing strategy Like the compared to Salesforce or some other like Pipedrive or something. It's a very, very mission critical thing which I want to buy for my company. Even a startup should be okay to spend that kind of money. It's not cheap, but it's not expensive. But the kind of uh, pricing... There's no other way, like, every startup goes to HubSpot. Like, that's the beauty of uh, pushing and pricing properly.
0: Tell me more. Where do you think HubSpot succeeded? So, we had Pipedrive going really well. Do you think pricing had a role to play over there? Because there was a time when if someone was talking about SMB, CRM, they would talk about Pipedrive. And I don't see a lot of people use Pipedrive now, at least in the SaaS space.
1: I see most of the folks are using HubSpot. Do you think pricing had a role to play on that one? So for me, it's two things why I had to go for HubSpot. One is pricing and the other is the multi-product. So I definitely needed a marketing automation software to my drip marketing and other activities. And HubSpot works very closely with like their marketing automation and the CRM. So like the information, uh, the lead journey was complete. And pricing compared to Salesforce. The other product which has that is either uh, Intercom or uh, uh, Salesforce, Salesforce is definitely not for startups, but other products didn't have the complete suite or expensive than Upspot. I was okay to pay for Upspot. So this multi-product and pricing it right uh, was the reason why I chose Upspot. Because they kind of uh, disrupted the industry with their pricing model. That is one. Uh, uh, Secondly is they are actually expensive, but in their pricing, you will not know they are actually expensive. The way they portrayed the clever it's very very clever it's clever yeah so we both are from the uh, customer support space help desk space right like we know it's uh, user-based pricing number of technicians a number of standard pretty much everybody right number of techs and different uh, like if it's ital edition if it's just the support edition like you have different pricing but at the end of the day it boils down to number of techs using the product uh, so, and it also helps us, it had its advantage. It helps us when the company grows, you grow with it. But when Intercom came, uh, it kind of first questioned the help desk ticketing model, email-based model as a system, then they, they brought it to chat-based uh, model. So, that is the first. disruption. And the second disruption is based on consumption. It's not based on number of tech. So, that, that was clever because people thought, hey, I'm paying too much to service now or too much to uh fresh desk and they kind of pick that model but later realize it's actually they're paying more than what they used to pay
0: <laughs> yeah they get a lot of flack for pricing I you know we when I saw their pricing first we actually made fun of them uh we were like oh it's unpredictable so the couple of things uh, with pricing design so you always have like this primary value metric Uh, So in our case, the one that we were talking about was seats. This is your primary value metric. And this was the gold standard in the SaaS uh, customer service space, at least. Uh, And they come in and they have like these contact is what they, if I remember correctly, what they used to call it. And this was all users who were in your database. And it was unpredictable. You didn't know how many folks were going to, you know, create. Uh, tickets and uh, how this would grow out because one of the things that people expect with pricing is it should be predictable like I know I will be hiring 10 more customer service reps so it was unpredictable and we were like no one's really going to go in for it but it broke the comparison and I think that's where and it looked cheaper so we had a lot of customers feel uh, that it was cheaper it wasn't but, but the perception was that it's cheaper and at the same time you couldn't compare the quote from Intercom with the quote from Zendisk, Freshdesk, or Kayako. And that breaking of the comparison really was quite interesting. And they started off gaining traction from there with continuous for me personally, why I idealize Intercom and they do a bunch of those things, which I've realized are the right approaches. One is no grandfathering, very controversial, but no grandfathering. You should not grandfather. Two they experiment with their pricing every six months. And I think that's the most important growth lever you have. Yes, they've received a lot of flack, but the product's so good that people just don't have an option. The option are just trash, more or less. Uh, there's still nothing which nails messaging on the marketing side or, and customer service and acts like a bridge with like being like a pseudo customer success platform. It doesn't exist. Uh, so it's... It's that continuous experimentation where I personally really hold them in high regard, and I I don't see a lot of SaaS companies do that.
1: So Varun, I think I have an interesting uh, another opinion. I'm sure you will disagree with me, but I just want to share the story with you. So one time when we uh, tried to do a pricing in my uh, previous startup Zarget, uh, so we were actually arguing. The founders were like, we were really like a serious discussion around. Uh, what kind of pricing we should do? So the market pricing was based on number of visitors. Like ten thousand visitors, they will charge you pay, based on packs of visitors, and it was pretty straightforward, normal, and it's been an age-old industry. And uh, uh, one of the other opinions were to make it like an AWS kind of a pricing where it's usage-based, like you use and pay later, instead of pay first and uh, use later so we had back and forth three months discussion this is a subjective uh, like we were not able to come to a conclusion then later uh, that time we had to bring our board and our angel investor girish and like to bring a conclusion to this discussion and one thing he said stuck to me and I, again it makes sense for the kind of market again i'll be very clear there uh, he said like don't reinvent the wheel when there is the pricing is simple easy on the website without any help they can just they are used to it and they can just come and buy it. You just have to focus on how you are going to charge and position, But do not reinvent the pricing and make it complicated. So, that we went back towards one that worked for us then. But the same thing what Intercom did is they kind of cleverly uh, disrupted the pricing model and created a different kind of model. Like There are two different use cases here. Uh, my read there is, okay, if the pricing is already simple and people are used to it, will you break it?
0: The first is indent, like how competitive the space is. If the space is extremely competitive, your default stance has to be to break the comparison. You don't have an option over there because uh, if the space is highly competitive, let's say helpless software, it's highly commoditized. It's it, it's extremely difficult for you to kind of like get a foot in the door. Uh, you might try to fight off by say, you know, uh, coming across with a cheaper pricing, but then it, it the perceived value of the product is also lower so your only option in that case is to use some kind of avenue to break the comparison now if you say i'm not going to do per seat like taking the example of helpdesk software again and i'm going to do uh, maybe per user account over there that also is not going to fly because people are what girish said is actually true people are used to a certain model you have to change something fundamentally in the product uh, to kind of like reflect that new pricing what intercom did which was very smart is how the product evolved was, it started off as a marketing platform. So you could send filtered uh, outbound messages to folks on your uh, mobile application or web application. Then they introduced a messenger, then they entered into the customer service category. So it was predominantly a MarTech platform, which also did customer service, which allowed them to use the per user pricing as an attribute. They had the privilege, of being able to use that value metric and value metric over here is how what uh, on what basis do you charge your users so per seat per account that's a value metric if you by default if you're saying i'm doing an ab testing software i'm doing a help desk software and you change the value metric uh girish is right it's not going to fly uh, you're actually going to see a drop in conversion
1: correct correct i totally agree i think it's important uh, to understand that target audience and how the market is and how they are have- pricing some market is very complicated and ours they have different kind of pricing for each endpoint like server is cost is cost separate laptop is uh, different desktop is different network monitoring is different. like it requires a salesperson to go and explain the pricing model for other companies we, we when the pricing model is complicated and it requires explanation then that market has to be disrupted that's my simple opinion
0: <laughs> uh, I would again disagree on that actually <laughs> So it all it all starts. Yeah, there are before pricing, there are things that you really need to question. Uh the ICP, the ideal customer profile. If your ICP is highly enterprise or your sales motion is steak dinners, uh three months, four months, lots of in-person meeting, field sales, then those complex models are actually an asset because you can use them to extract a lot of value. By just creating the sheer complexity. Because you know you're going to close the deal based on the charmer salesperson you have. It's not the product which is driving that. Uh, So your ICP, your sales motion, your competitive landscape uh, decides a lot of this. So if you were doing helpdesk software for SMBs um, and uh, you said I'm going to do like a super complex pricing, uh, charging on a bunch of add-ons and other things, then it's not going to work. Because your comparison point over there is uh, fresh tests in disk. Uh But if you were to do like a super niche healthcare helpless software, where you have HIPAA compliance and a bunch of other things, you could really complicate the pricing model and get it to like a million dollar deal uh, without an issue. So I think there are these external factors at play.
1: I'll put the same thing in a different language. Is marketing doing the heavy lifting or sales doing the heavy lifting? If marketing is doing the heavy lifting, if it has to be expected... There's also
0: product. There's also product. Don't forget, there are three pillars now. So you have the PLG model at play as well.
1: Like, the where I'm coming from is if the sale is going to happen in the website where they come and read about the product, understand, do a free trial, see the pricing on the website and take a decision, then marketing is doing the heavy lifting. If sales has to do that, then sales is doing heavy lifting. So if it is a sales-led, like pricing can be how you said. My point is for the marketing heavy lifting products where the pricing should be simple and they should understand the moment they see the page. So I
0: have a rapid fire question for you. Okay. Uh, so I know you, li- you like this a lot. I do. So does the audience. Yeah, so there's an audience. Yeah. Name me top three uh, pricing challenges that an Indian SaaS company faces.
1: The first thing is uh, pricing it low. I think it's in the mindset of all the... Uh, Folks in India, we always want to be the cheap vendor. We never try to respect the product we build and we uh, always price low. I think that's been my uh, biggest uh, concern with Indian uh, founders who are pr- trying pricing. And uh, uh, second uh, uh, biggest challenge is how understanding the uh, persona and positioning. Where do you want to position? Who are you, who, who? do you want? Like you can sell iPhone, you can sell, uh, sell OnePlus, you can sell Xiaomi right it's all three phone you need to price it differently based on how you want to position your market market that research is very very important you want to be a value player you want to be an expensive player it's based on the product you have built you need to have that conviction saying that hey this is where i'm going to be i'm going to be the affordable alternative or i'm going to be the most valuable player vendor that understanding is missing pricing is always about comparing ourselves with the competitors Then. Like, can I put $10 less than this content? That's not how pricing should be done. You need to have a clear vision of which market pushing I need to do. That would be the second problem. And uh, uh, third uh, concern is about designing the whole pricing model, uh, right? Like, uh, it's sometimes it's just one pricing. I will not understand when somebody has just one pricing. There is a lot of art in pricing, right? You need to know how you can land and expand with pricing, how you can have a decoy uh, with pricing. Like, Planning with different plans is an art. Naming them, right? It should. They, this is also something which I think we need to get better at. An in area. These would be my thought three.
0: See, I agree with you, but I think the crux of the problem is actually far deeper. Okay. So people do have the conviction uh, on charging higher. Uh, some people have also. I, I know a bunch of companies which have actually attempted to price higher uh, and failed, uh, at doing that. Uh, so the conviction has been there. Uh, there has been like a conviction to extract the value. There've been attempts made to charge, uh, a premium pricing compared to us. I think the fundamental problem, if you ask me, uh, the crux where this all fails is the perceived value. So a lot of this pricing design, uh, and value extraction. Uh, by the SaaS companies is inside out, I believe my product is superior, I believe it should expect, you know, a certain price or command a certain price in the market, I am going to price it at a certain price in the market. And the results are very different from what the expectations are. And I think it all falls apart because you're not taking an outside in approach. And you, you can't either because Uh, either you haven't done a lot of customer development or you're not aware of how the US customer psyche works. So the perceived value, if you ask me, is the fundamental failure point in Indian SaaS. Uh, So if a US consumer does not perceive you to be a premium product, uh, and the way that they would perceive you to be a premium product would be how you present, how you message, uh, the kind of feature sets you have, they will not give you a premium price. They will not agree to a premium price. And I think that's where everything fails. So a lot of the messaging, uh, product packaging, positioning, as you said, uh, that's not designed thinking, how can I be a more higher quality perceived product across the competitive landscape? So that's all an afterthought and pricing is just put out as a table. So the thinking from what I've seen is I've designed this table, and now I expect people to pay that price. No, that's not how it works. So I think the fundamental failure is a perceived value. And I'll, I'll explain it with a story to you, Arvind. Tomorrow, if I come over and forget, you know, me, I show up at your office door and I say, Arvind, I have this Honda bike, Hero Honda bike, which I'll sell you for 70 lakhs. What will your reaction be? Obviously, it's a scam. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's too expensive. It's yeah. a scam. Yeah. Like, why the hell would I entertain you? You'd throw me out, right? Correct. Uh, but if I come over to you and I say, I have this Rolls Royce Phantom and I'll sell it to you for 5 lakhs. There's this ultimate deal. The company is going bankrupt uh, and they're liquidating and I have insider access to this and I'll give it to you for 5 lakhs. Maybe I'll charge you, uh, I'll give it to you 4 lakhs and I'll charge 1 lakh commission for doing this. What are your reaction?
1: I'll still be skeptical.
0: Nobody. if it's there, product's there, e- papers are kosher, everything's clear. Then
1: it's a killer <laughs> steal. deal. Uh-huh.
0: So what's the difference between the two? Your perception of value yeah.
1: of uh-huh.
0: what you are getting. On one hand, you feel you're not getting the value that you're paying the price for.
1: Correct. Uh-huh. On the other
0: hand, you feel you're getting a steal. Your reaction is not even great value. It's a steal deal. You're like... I can maybe sell this for 60 lakhs in the market. This is still because of the insider access that I would have with this individual, or they just know me, whatever the circumstances would be, the perception of value that you're getting is different. And that's where your willingness to part with the money is okay. In one case. And in the other case, you just hold onto your wallet. You're you, you you not even talk to the other person in the other case. I'm telling you, even if you don't have the money, you're going to call your friends. You're going to arrange the cash. And you're going to pay it. Even if you have to take debt, you would pay it off because the perception of the value is different. And this is the best example with which I try to explain uh, everyone. Like this is what the customer has to feel when they're on your website or if they're going through a sales motion. They have to feel as if they're getting a steel deal. They don't have to feel the other example. And that's how you win. You can charge premium by using that.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll go a little deeper. I, I completely love that analogy and the example, right? Like, but I, I I think I remember discussing this with you. Sometimes we also get carried away on feature by feature selling, not value selling. Yeah. Right. So that is the biggest enemy there. Like when you are not able to showcase value and we still keep talking about features, you, you you see where I'm going with this,
0: right? You know, you know it's it's again the lens with which everyone looks at the world. So you will see very rarely a sales founder doing the feature based uh, pricing uh, or okay. selling. It that wouldn't be the case. Exactly. It's usually a product founder. Mm. If it's an uh, engineering founder, you would actually see engineering and tech being talked about as the core differentiator. Correct. So it's basically how the person who is leading the company, seeing the world. And that's where you have to be aware that if you were, if there's a spectrum of good to bad, the best is value based, as you said, uh, that's the highest tier and the lowest tier is engineering based. Yeah. Like where you're saying, you know, my, I have this tech, I have Kubernetes, I have these, uh, super uptime and all the other things. That's the lowest tier. Yeah. Because the customer doesn't care about the tech you have. You might be running it on PHP or Perl for that example. Old school languages. Yeah. No offense to PHP <laughs> engineers out there. I used to be a PHP engineer. So, no offense to that. But that's the, no one cares about tech. Yeah. No one cares about the features. Uh, It's, how your product, uh, you know, what, that, what difference actually, uh, I remember, I think I saw, read this in one of the articles out there. How does your product change my life? Mm. Like how, how does it allow me to be a different, better individual at my job? Does it lead to a promotion? Those things matter the most. And what another, another problem, Arvind, that actually, you know, we're going down this rabbit hole. Is when people design messaging or the way they design the structure or even the sales ticks, Yeah. the most common mistake uh, they tend to do is that it's about them.
1: Hmm.
0: I have this product. It does this. It has this feature. That's the f- centric. Look at this feature. Look, I click this button. This is how it's going to be. You know, this is how this feature helps you th- do X Y Z. Uh, competitor doesn't have this feature. I have this feature. So it's all about you,
1: Correct. Um,
0: the person who's selling. You haven't talked about my life. I have a bunch of challenges in my life. I came over to my job. My boss is rude to me. I haven't gotten that promotion that I was promised a long time back. Uh, my friends are far more successful than I am. Uh, there's a dream world that I, you know, imagine I, and I haven't achieved that, which is why and Sorry, I'm talking a bit too long, but there's just a lot of analogies, analogies, I, analogies I that are coming to, to my head
1: in a different direction, but you came to that. Yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: One, one last example, and then let you share your thoughts on this one is I've seen a pattern with politicians, actually, uh, they're great product marketers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see a lot of politicians talk about the promised land hmm. and that's where the pictures come in from. So new India. Atman Nirbar Bharat,
1: yeah.
0: Amrit Kaal, New Pakistan case of Imran Khan, that was his pitch, uh, New Pakistan. Uh, you know, yes, we can. It's all about the future promised land
1: Correct.
0: that they're talking, which matters to me as uh, an audience who's going to go to the polling booth and poll for the politician. I'll let you share your thoughts. Now. No, no, no.
1: I, I kind of wanted to come to the same point in a different way. I'll ask you the same question. Right? Like, see, the... Uh, pricing also matters how you price also matters based on who's the decision maker are you selling to a founder are you selling to a, a cx executive or are you selling bottom-up are you selling to the user lot of times user will not be the decision maker right this also pays away so that's why what's at end of the day it's persona like what you're trying to sell.
0: so, so the buyer persona yes the, the user maker, persona,
1: persona and, de- uh, and the decision
0: maker persona. So, yeah. three personas usually at play when it comes to these decisions.
1: Correct. Right. So, for me, see, when you said um, uh, if it's a techie, for a techie, most of the time, in my experience, right, they won't talk to salespeople. Like if it's a developer product, they are not ready to talk to salespeople. The better I would do is community based selling, where i talk features i talk details they are going to do the research and only buy no matter what right that that's given so who are we selling to matters a lot right so that persona is very very important Uh, why i want to bring this is because what we are talking is enterprise sales smb sales marketing product this persona understanding makes a very big difference in who your audience is and who is your decision maker and how you need to price it so uh, just thought I would want to... Uh, bring that no, no, no.
0: I completely agree because your deck is usually tailored towards your decision-maker and your buyer persona. Your demo is usually tailored towards your user persona. Correct. Your website... Now, here's where uh, it kind of like differs, I think. if If it's a top-down buying decision, your website's tailored towards, again, the buyer and the decision-maker persona. But if it's a bottoms-up Uh, decision making then it's supposed to be tailored to your users persona so you really need to understand the problems that each one has and their incentives for doing it like for if you take a bug tracking tool let's take a hypothetical example okay if you take a bug tracking tool what's a uh, let's start with the lowest tangent over here what's a user's persona Uh main main uh, problem or job going to be like Like the developer and the
1: Documenting everything as a ticket, track record, yeah, track record. Track record. Yeah.
0: No, so like if I talk about the engineer, it's just ability to see my job queue. That's my primary problem, right? If I go one level above uh, the product manager, that's going to be the documentation, tracking, that's where the, that comes in. Now, if I go one level above the VP of the product,
1: reporting, roadmaps, roadmaps, and re- uh, roadmaps
0: reporting, right. dashboard, okay. whether everything's aligned. If you go one level above to the top, the CXO CEO, CEO.
1: Profitability. uh, Profitability. Yeah. Uh, Efficiency.
0: Efficiency. Yeah. Efficiency, uh, vision, vision execution alignment. So I have a certain vision and whether we are executing on that vision and whether we are on track or not. So the challenges are very different. We've just taken one hypothetical tool and we've gone down the value chain and up the value chain and we see that the problems are very different. Now, uh, the one mistake, again, this is where I feel you really need to have this ability to put different hats on or see through the lens of other folks eyes uh, to be able to come up with these things. A lot of time we are blinded and biased to our job role and our experiences. And that's, I think, one of the bigger challenges to overcome because this exercise was phenomenal, right? We just went up the value chain up and down and we saw that the problems are very different across all of them.
1: Absolutely. I have a question for you, Varun. So uh, what is the top three common mistakes you have seen, uh, which has been like pricing mistakes, which I've seen in our industry, industry or Indian ecosystem? uh, ecosystem. Yeah.
0: I think plan design, not understanding the importance, and maybe this is for some other, uh, you know, episode that we'll have. Uh, but not understanding the importance of naming your plans. Mm. How do you design the plans for upselling uh, net revenue? So your N- NDR rate yes. uh, and your net retention rate is actually very closely linked to your, how your plan design is. Correct.
1: Yeah.
0: The choice of value metrics. So I think plan design is one uh, fundamental failure that I see. And the second would be pricing in isolation. Mm. So, the narrative is usually not set together with your positioning, your ICP, your anchor word. So, yeah. one concept that I continuously talk about is that you really need an anchor word throughout. So, as part of the SaaS booming growth X, I I was advising two startups, Wingman uh, and Pipe Candy. Uh, in case of Pipe Candy, the anchor word was Encyclopedia. So, if you actually see the word "pedia" yeah. on Pipe Candy's website, it starts from the headline on the website and goes on to the plan. And in case of like Wingman, it was Accelerator. And that again flows in from the top story, the narrative, the H1 uh, or the headline down to their ma- main plan, main pricing plan. So the tying of the pricing with the rest but of the...
1: Both of them are acquired. I don't think it's a coincidence.
0: <laughs>
1: it's because of you. <laughs>
0: maybe it is. Maybe it is. I can't take credit. Uh, both have excellent founders. So, So not tying the... Pricing with the rest of your story, I think is number two. So plan design, uh, not tying pricing with that story. And three, again, I would just feel the consistent theme that comes in. And I, in the stack ranking of things which are important to me and where I feel people should focus, this is at the absolute bottom. But it is a common mistake. So I have to call it out, not pricing high. And uh, having a fair, uh, and not aligning the perceived value with the premium. So the products are great in a lot of those cases, I've seen that the products are actually superior than the Western counterparts, but the communication and ability to communicate the value of the product is B grade uh, and not world-class. And second would be that the pricing that you're charging because you're seeing the effects of not having a premium product is again inferior. And not premium to the Western counterparts. So I think that's where uh, uh, these three areas are common themes where I see the Indian companies struggle.
1: No, absolutely love it. Love love your answer. As you rightly said, it's not about uh, pricing it higher. Uh, We need to constantly check uh, for the signals in the market. Like As you said, it's okay to not open up pricing in the initial days. Check with it. Try different costs and see if customers are willing to pay and you will know there are obviously the kind of value you are bringing and your competitors have the parity of features. Like you kind of will know whether uh, you just have to read the signals and uh, experiment. And you said this in the beginning of the podcast Intercom experiment six, every six months. I, that's every six months. Right? Like you should keep looking for signals and uh, should not be uh, like holding yourself back if your product has that value too chart with premium because the premium is kind of a trust. If it, It's a very mission critical product. Uh, I'll share one more example uh, from my uh, past. We got rejected twice because we quoted like 10x lesser. And we, we here is
0: super ops so or No, no, no.
1: Uh, it's our, one of the past companies. Uh, so okay. let it let it be we. Uh, so we our quote was 10x lesser. And we were not even given a seat on the table. Right? So, there was no implementation cost. We didn't have a implementation team. They wanted a half a million, uh, this one, one line item just for implementing the product. That's how they're 200. Like They're not even serious thinking that, hey, but do we have features? Is the product good? Yeah, we love it. But they don't want to bet on something low because that is so critical for them. You have the features, then it's the cost which is going to bring that trust. Yeah. Right? So, that's when we decided enterprise sales. If we have the product. You would have come
0: across as a shady company. Uh, exactly. like, like that. That's where the filtration criteria would have failed. Like this is too shady. It's an immigrant company. Uh, it's maybe out there in India. How can we trust these folks? They don't even speak our language or their exactly. English isn't great. Uh, a lot of those factors would have been discussed. And then you were rejected from having a seat at the table.
1: Exactly. Then then we learned from other mistakes. Then we just had to price it sexy and... Uh, automatically like uh,
0: the, the reels came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, I think this is great for the first episode um, on the discussion, but I, we need to go deeper on how do you make it actionable? Like, yes, yeah. we've talked about the problems. Yeah. I think next episode, let's dedicate it towards solutions on effective pricing right. design. And we'll debate in like, uh, how do you overcome these challenges as an Indian SaaS company uh, on pricing? But uh, it's like so,
1: such a big topic, and like we have not even scratched the surface. There are so
0: many. I think we need five like, episodes. <laughs> we need five episodes to go through it. But I think next one, if you just dedicate towards solutions on overcoming the challenges of the pricing, I think that will be really helpful for the audience. So let's close this one over here. This is me and Arvind. Arvind, closing words, please. You can't. You don't have a rapid fire round now. So you have to say Sadly, it no, out
1: but one day I'm going to give, put you on rapid fire and uh, that, that would be don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. Don't do that. On the record or off the record, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but anyway, this was lovely and we will have a part two discussion, continuation of uh, the pricing discussion. Uh, so thank you for listening. This is not BTS podcast. This is Art of Marketing, episode one. That's
0: a new name. <laughs> That's a new name. Please do like and subscribe uh, and do share the feedback at info at satspumi.com and uh, tweet the SaaS we handle we'd love to know like what you think about this new format uh we're all ears uh if you would like to continue us to double down on this uh or you would want us to focus more on guests we would love to hear from you please do share the feedback like and subscribe uh we put in a lot of hard work into bringing this good quality content knowledge uh, over to you and your likes and subscribe uh, subscriptions really add some validation towards the hard work that goes into this thanks everyone thank you hope you enjoyed the episode we're building not just a product nation but also a marketing nation
1: stay tuned for more stories please share your feedback or suggestions at hello at sasbumi.com